You're listening to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast, episode 38. It's time to look at weight loss in a whole new way. Instead of focusing on calories in, calories out, you'll learn how to use your brain to transform your body and heal your relationship with food. If you're ready to lose your weight for the last time, you're in the right place. Because it's more than what you eat. It's who you are when you're eating. This is the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. We don't talk a lot about exercise and movement on this podcast. And part of the reason for that is my brain is still a little bit of a mess when it comes to exercise and the weight loss journey. And this really stems from my experience over the years. So when I was a kid, I hated it. You know, I was the one that would come up with any excuse to get myself out of gym class. But at some point in grade three, I think it was, I decided I want to play soccer. I don't know why. I don't remember why I wanted to, but my parents signed me up and I played soccer like right through to my mid twenties and loved every second of it. But it was never about fitness for me. It was about being outside. It was about being part of a team. It was about fun. And the exercise was just a secondary benefit of all of that. And also throughout my entire life, being outside, walking, riding a bike, hiking has always been important to me. But again, it was the joy of being outside and how good it felt to be moving. And in my mind, it was never about exercise. And then later on, when I started gaining weight, I thought, you know what, I have to be intentional about this. And I do. I did what I always do. I went into research mode. I read all the things. I read the books. I went onto the internet. I found all the programs. And it just seemed like everybody had a different idea of the best way to exercise for weight loss. You know, some would say cardio was important, but not just any cardio. It had to be high intensity training. And others said, no, 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 cardio is bad. It's all about resistance training. You have to do that. And it kind of got to the point where I was just paralyzed because I didn't know what the right thing to do was. And I completely forgot that there was a time in my life when I loved moving just for the joy of moving. And I remember a moment when, you know, I, I started to question things for me. And this was, you know, a few years ago and I was in a nutrition coaching program and exercise was a part of it. And I told my coach, you know what? I don't really love weight training. Is it okay if I do boxing classes instead? Because I had just discovered these boxing classes and I loved it. It just felt so powerful, you know, to be a part of that. And she said something along the lines of, well, you know, if you must, but really the best thing is to do weight training. And it discouraged me so much. I just, you know, dropped out of the entire year long program because I, I just felt like, you know, this woman isn't hearing me and I want to do boxing for Pete's sake. And like that haunted me for a very long time. And it's only in the recent year or two when I've come, you know, back to that fact that I love being outside, walking, riding my bike and hiking and doing that just for the sake of it. And about a year ago, I decided I was going to do this 365 days of movement. And I define that as just moving my body in some way every day 
in a way that felt good and in a way that honored what I thought my body was telling me I needed. And for the first couple of months, it was amazing. And then as I progressed through it, it started to feel more like something I have to do, something I should I, I should want to do, something that I need to do. And then once again, the joy just kind of disappeared out of all of that. And so I went back to the drawing board again of trying to find a way that made movement feel good to me. And I was so interested in this topic that again, I went I went back into research mode, but this time I went looking for, you know, people who could teach me how to find the joy in movement again. And I found that person in Stephanie Luaris. And so today on the podcast, I'm bringing you an interview with Stephanie, where we talk through all about her weight loss journey and the role that joyful movement played in that. So after coming to a point in life where she was sick and tired of being sick and tired, she knew she needed some changes. And through small actions and goal setting, Stephanie Luares has lost over 200 pounds through balanced nutrition and movement without the use of restrictive dieting, commercial weight loss plans, or supplements. She has gained a love of endurance sports, running marathons, and is actually currently training for Ironman distance races. She uses the same holistic goal setting model in working with clients in groups and individually to empower people to break down the everyday barriers that exist so they can achieve what they are working towards for their best personal wellness. Stephanie specializes in beginner and adaptive fitness, aiding those of all sizes, ages, conditions, and ability to consistency with their personal movement and nutrition goals. She enjoys incorporating bodyweight resistance training into workouts, so many workouts require no or minimal equipment. She's also a TRX suspension systems instructor, a silver sneakers fitness instructor, and silver sneakers nutrition facilitator. And in 2022, she's also completing her Kundalini yoga certification, as well as her orthopedic exercise specialist program. I am very excited to bring you this interview with Stephanie, and here it is. Stephanie, welcome to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. I am so happy to have you here today. It is great to be here and chat with you and learn and share all the things we love to do. All the things we love to do, especially when it comes to weight loss. And you are fascinating because not only have you gone through your own journey through weight loss, you now help other women achieve the same with a focus on movement and exercise. Yes. And for me, as I went through my own journey, I had so many people coming to me and saying, you need to show me what you're doing. And, you know, I came to the place where in my, in my own training as an endurance athlete, now I don't look like the typical endurance athlete. Let's just be very clear about that. But I love long distance racing, running, triathlon. That's my jam, not everyone else's. But in learning everything and understanding what my coach and sports nutritionist and everybody that I was working with was telling me, that's why I went through the process of 
becoming a certified personal trainer, getting my nutrition certifications, because I wanted that very deep understanding of what people were telling me about my body. And it was just that natural progression of people want to know what I'm doing. Now I have the expertise behind it and the understanding. Now let's put this into the pretty package and open my business and really empower people to feel how they want to feel. Mm -hmm. And so if you think back to before you lost your weight, Mm -hmm. how, how did you think about yourself and your body? I, I was the meanest person on the planet. I, in, in people, they blow it off when you say this, because they're, they're like, you truly can't be that horrible to yourself. But I hated myself. I had no compassion, no slack, no forgiveness, no nothing for myself. Could give it to other people, could, could, you know, spread it around. But when it came to me and the things I told myself about myself, it was horrible. I think that's so true for most of most of us, right? And the irony of all of this is the more you hate on yourself, the more difficult it becomes to, you know, get healthy again. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So what what changed for you? Well, you know, we we back up to the, you know, the story, not, you know. We won't get into all the details, but I was put on my first diet at five years old. I'm, I'm much older now. I have been on, you name the diet. I've tried it. I've lost weight. I've gained weight. I have gained and lost hundreds and hundreds of pounds in my lifetime. And I, I knew at the pinnacle that diets didn't work that it it wasn't the long-term solution for health and wellness. But I didn't know also what was going to change. I just knew I was miserable and something had to give. On the outside, it looked great, had a great job, had all these wonderful things in life, but I was miserable. And I was barely functioning because I've lost over 200 pounds The body that I started in, I was pretty close to losing my mobility and so, so many other things that, you know, yeah, life can be great, but am I actually living my life? And so it was, I knew something had to change, didn't know what it was going to be, but I'm also that linear thinker. I'm a very goal oriented person. So it's like, well, what can I do? And, you know, just threw it out there. Something's going to happen. And I started with water. And and it wasn't the, like, let's go get the gallon jug and the crazy water challenges and all of that. It was a six ounce cup of water and one of those obnoxious old school kitchen timers. (laughs) And every time the timer would go off, I'd have to walk to the other end of the office where the water cooler was, fill up that cup and keep going all day long, cultivating just that very small habit. 
Then it rippled into what am I eating and movement and the whole progression of that physical change. Right. And I love that idea of starting with water and not starting with gallons, just starting with your six ounce cup. In 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 my programs, we we call these one percent habits, and mm-hmm. I love them, right? Because think of how many times in your life you thought you could just go take on the world, right? And you you bite off too much, and you end up feeling you know burned out, defeated, and exhausted <laughs> pretty darn quickly, and you give up. But you know what? You can go. You you can set a timer and go to the water cooler you know, every hour or whatever it is and fill your water cup and it's no big deal. Right. And the beautiful thing about that is you gain confidence because you're doing something right. Mm -hmm. And so then doing the next small habit becomes that much easier. Right. And I love that you started with water because (laughs) I mean, how important is it (laughs) to weight loss? It's super important. So, you know, I love, I love everything about that. Absolutely. And, you know, for me at the time, I, I hadn't realized the impact that water was going to have because not only was I not drinking water, I really, while I, I was drinking coffee and all the other wonderful things, but I, I was very dehydrated. I didn't realize that I, I wasn't getting that basic amount of hydration that my body needs for its general processes, you know, cognition, digestion, all, you know, all the great things that water does, you know, we, we know, okay, I move my body. I need to hydrate it. I'm outside. It's hot. I need to hydrate it. We don't realize the very basic necessity of hydrating ourselves on a daily basis. Right. It's, it's because you know what, if, it sounds too simple to be effective, right? But there's actually studies out there to show that even mild dehydration affects our cognition to yes. like a pretty big extent. And I mean, and, and I, <laughs> I often hear people say drinking water is hard. I'm like, drinking water is not hard. <laughs> <laughs> we do it's so not many drinking things. That's hard. It's getting into the habit of it. Indeed, that it is. is a little bit difficult. In, in indeed, it is. And so you started with your your trips to the water cooler, and mm-hmm. how how did that change your mindset? You like like you said, it's building that confidence. It's having that repetitive task that I'm doing over and over again, that's becoming easier and easier that I can build on and build on from there. And it, it, it's that, you know, Hey, I'm doing this and it's now second nature. So you, you have that natural boost of, okay, what can I do next? And it, it's that drive of, well, if I did this, you know, what, what's possible? What's possible? Because we, there's always something else. There's a new level. There's a next, next thing that we can look at. Right. I love that question. Also, what's possible, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That just puts you in this state of curiosity and open-mindedness that, you know, is really the antidote to the self-hate that we 
you know, put mm-hmm. on ourselves um, all the time as well. So, you know, what, what was your next step after the water? After the water, it was eating at home. I was going through the drive-thru twice a day, at least to feed my husband and myself. You know, they're in, you know, in, in a balanced diet, there really is nothing wrong with going through the drive-thru once in a while, but when it's for staple nutrition, that becomes problematic. And so it was, okay, let's cook at home. Doesn't matter what I'm cooking, but it's establishing the habit of cooking at home. Then through building that habit, it was, okay, let's start to look at what am I cooking? What are the ingredients? How are they making us feel? Are we enjoying them? Are there different things that can be introduced or swapped out and different things like that? And just through the water, eating at home, starting to really hone in on how the food is making us feel, then it was that leap over into movement. And now being 200 pounds heavier in a large body, I was pretty convinced there wasn't a lot I was going to be able to do. The only thing I felt that was possible was walking. But I wasn't, it wasn't one of those, you're going to get on the treadmill for 60 minutes and go kind of thing. I walked to the end of the street and back and thought I was going to die. But it's the end of the street and back, around the block, around the neighborhood, and further and further and further. Then it was that same concept. The one day I get in my head, I wonder if I can run. Now, the girl that fakes sick in gym class, the idea of running is a very foreign concept. <laughs> that me. was me too. <laughs> so, you know, like, where did this come from? And I'm like, all right. So I run to this stop sign, like half a football field away. And again, it's the, I want to die. But mm-hmm. that's where the next change hit. You know, before it was the, I knew something had to change. This was where that next change hit because When I did that, just a little bit of running and thought I was going to die, something in me lit up and I'm like, I have got to go figure out this fat girl running thing because I like this. Like there's, there's something to this. And so it was, you know, then again, the breaking it down and building up the 5Ks, the 10Ks, the half marathons, the marathons, and really looking at what it was to build up those skills. And for me, it's that when my body is in motion for that long sustained period, like that's when everything is right in the world. Like I am at peace, you know, you're, you are not going to tell me anything that is going to come crashing down around me. That is my space. You're in your flow. It is. And it's also that that was my realization of, okay, this is my movement. This is what I enjoy. This is what lights me up. But also I have the full recognition that it is not everyone else's jam. And there is, though, that movement for someone else that will have a similar effect. And sometimes we have to uncover it 
we have to unpack a little bit of our bias around exercise and our past experiences and work a little bit through that. But there really is a way to come back to that innate joy in movement in some form. Because we're not going to do it if we don't enjoy it. Oh, gosh, that's so true. And there's just one thing I want to circle back to that yes. that very first time when you when you ran to the stop sign. Mm-hmm. I imagine before that you had this, you know, story running through your head that I I can't I'm not a runner. I can't mm-hmm. run. I'm too fat to run. And then you went and did it anyway. And like, I can't imagine how it must have felt to have these beliefs about yourself mm-hmm. and go and do it, go and do it anyway and prove to yourself, whoa, <laughs> I can be a runner. And not only that, like this, I felt like I wanted to die, but my God, I also never felt more alive. Right. And it's, it's one of those things that until you experience it, it, it's so hard to put that fire into someone else. But in uncovering that, in having that realization that this was possible, because yes, I've had a lot of physical change, but there's also been that emotional and spiritual part of myself that has grown and evolved as well. Because it, you know, looking at the whole person, we can't just have the one. And so that was starting to break down a lot of those emotional thoughts, that mindset that I had of I can't, or this has to look a certain way. You, especially in endurance sports, the, the general um, mindset is that athletes look a particular way. I realize showing up to a race, showing up to an event, I don't look like a lot of the other athletes. But that it, it took me a while to reconcile that that doesn't take away from my worth, from my ability, in the fact that I did the same training they did to get here. And that it's not about them. It's not about their appearance. It's not about me and my appearance. It's about everything it took to get up to this point to to get to that level of completion. And like people joke, you know, you're, you're always crying. I cry every single time I cross a finish line. And it's, it is that accumulation of all of that work that went into it, not just physically, but getting over myself and getting out of the way. Oh God. So true. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that, when, when we talk to people who have lost weight, um, we often describe, you know, this magical journey of, you know, before and after. And I mean, so it's, that's not reality, right? (laughs) So you, you did all of these amazing things for yourself. You started with the water, you progressed to preparing your meals at home and then making some changes to what you were preparing and the whole movement piece alongside of that. But where, where were the hiccups? Like what, what challenged you? And then how did you navigate through that? 
there, there's two parts to this. And the, the, the first side of it is that there are going to be hiccups and there is always a way around it. You know, I, I use the mantra, anything is possible. And it doesn't come from that Pollyanna positive place of, you know, er, you know, yeah, 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 rah, rah. But when you look at it, the barriers that we have in place, what they're going to crop up, that's life. Those barriers, there's typically a way over it, around it, under it. But sometimes we don't see it in the immediate moment. And it's backing up and looking at, is there another way I can do this? Do I need a different support system? Is there a resource or whatever it might be? The other side of that is the expectations that we have. And you talked about the the idea of the before and after. And that's a place we so often get trapped, is that when I reach that magical number on the scale, my life is going to fall into place. Everything's going to go well. I'm going to look a certain way. And we, we get this great story built up in our head of what after looks like. And there's an aesthetic attached to that. Now, uh, you know, this, in losing my weight, I didn't actually set out to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to lose all this weight. It was, I'm making these changes. There was no intentional weight loss in it. And so when I look at myself today, I mean, yes, I, I am still a person in a larger body, but I am also a person that is smaller than I have ever been in my lifetime. I'm smaller than I was in middle school. And so there's a lot wrapped up in that. But I also don't have that aesthetic of what I thought an after would be when I lost all that weight, thinking, oh, this diet or that diet's going to work. I, I have sagging skin. There are things about that physical appearance that aren't my favorite thing in the world. I accept them as they are, but it doesn't negate the fact that I am strong, I have endurance, I have stamina, I have the incredible health health outcomes that come along with living a life aligned with how I want to feel. And that is so important that we let go of what the after looks like and focus on what it feels like. I I I mean I I wish I wish this was a YouTube video or something. You could see just how thrilled I am to hear that, because I think this is one of the things that I mean, one of the very, very many things that the diet industry gets wrong is that the point is to reach a certain number on the scale, a certain size, a certain aesthetic. And I think that when when we have a goal outside of ourselves like this, we're doomed to fail right from the start. And of course, we all know your life does not magically change when you when you lose the weight. I mean, the problems you had before are, are still going to be there. It's not the magic solution for 
a perfect, a perfect life. And it, it is so amazing what happens when you change your mindset from, I need to lose weight to like, what do I have to do to feel better, to, you know, feel healthier, to have more energy, to write it. When you, when you make that shift, I think so much of this becomes so much easier. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm, I'm always telling people that what your, what your ideal weight is, is, you know, the weight where you feel good. And I mean, feeling healthy and, mm-hmm. you know, confident and energetic, um, and that you're also metabolically healthy, right. And that it comes along with a lifestyle that you really love and that you can sustain, um, over the long term, that's what your ideal weight is. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what the number of the scale is, you know, either. It's all about how you feel. And I think like that is the crucial, you know, starting point for success for, for all of this. 100%. Mm-hmm. All right. So one thing, um, you and I are both using, you know, two different terminologies and I want to talk about this. So, you know, we talk about movement and we talk about exercise Mm -hmm. and what, what, what are the differences between, between the two? I, I, I use the term movement more as that blanket term, uh, mostly coming from the uh, intuitive eating background in really getting back to that joyful movement where that movement that we are going to engage in for how we want to feel. You know, we, we know it's not a big secret. We know there are health benefits to exercise, that it has an impact on our health outcomes. But yes, but there is also from society, from media, from the culture around us and how we were brought up, there's a lot of stigma attached to the idea of exercise. So when we pull back and look at movement, what is the purpose of it? You know, yes, there, there is that health component to it, but we move in our daily lives. I mean, just to function through the day, it's push, pull, bend, twist, squat. There is so much in there in just those basic movements. So what, what are we doing to make sure that that movement not only for just this area of health is important, but that movement for life is happening, that we're able to go through our days unencumbered, that we can do tasks a little bit easier, that we don't have to fear falling on the floor and not being able to get up unassisted. There's so much that we wrap around the idea of exercise But when we pull that stigma out of it, it helps us to be a little bit more open to how movement affects life on a bigger scale. Yeah, right. I love that. And one thing that I find in a lot of my clients is exactly what you say, that they they have all of these ideas around what exercise should look like when they want to lose weight. 
And that's different for everybody. So I sometimes hear it's like, you know, I, I got to do cardio, cardio, cardio. I have to do resistance training, but I hate it. Right. I, you know, I hear that or it's like hit or people will come to me. I'm just so confused. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, you know, to lose weight. And in my programs, I actually have people stop exercising all together so we can kind of um, unravel all of that, you know, thoughts around it. And then once we get the mindset in a cleaner place, we introduce it as joyful movement, right? So let go of the, I should, I need to, Mm -hmm. right? The rules around exercise, find what you love, Mm -hmm. like what brings you that joy, what makes you feel like you're in the flow and do that. And it doesn't matter what it is. Exactly. And so, so often it's, it's even breaking it down further in, in that introduction of movement and get, again, getting away from our idea of exercise, that if I don't exercise for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, that somehow it doesn't count. You know, yes. There, there are cardiovascular benefits to having your heart rate raised above that resting heart rate level for you know particular amounts of time, however many minutes a week. And we know those things, but you might not be in that space yet, but you can do something, any kind of movement, whatever it is that you're, you're willing to, to be engaged in. If you're doing it, five minutes, three times, five times, six times a week, that has a cumulative effect. If you've done a five minute workout six times a week, well, congratulations, you've now had 30 minutes of movement. Pat yourself on the back because you probably did more than a lot of other people. And we, we discount that so often that if I can't do the whole shebang, then it's not worth it that there's no value to it. Yeah. I remember the time when I learned this for myself, like there was a specific moment. I had a Fitbit and um, my husband and I were living in Toronto at the time. And we used to go to this specific place for groceries and the parking was underground and we would take the stairs up. And so we, you know, drove into the parking lot And I realized I didn't have my Fitbit on. And I told my husband, I'm not walking up the stairs because it's not going to (laughs) count. We're taking the elevator. And he just looked at me like I was crazy. And of course, I was a little bit (laughs) like, whoa, right? So that's how I discovered I had all of these rules (laughs) for myself as well. And I I actually put away fitness trackers, you know, Mm -hmm. after that for um, you know, for, for that reason, cause it just, it kept putting me in this, in this mindset that I, it has to look a certain way to actually count, um, which of course is, is nonsense. Exactly. And, you know, there, there are some things that are out there that we're able to use in a very beneficial way. There are other things that are like, why, why do we have this? You know, I, especially with the trackers and the so in attaching it to social media, I realized that there was a point I was even using that as my reward. Well, if I do my workout, you know, my Strava is going to post to my Facebook and every you know, that was, I did not realize how much that played in my head. There is very little 
especially since the pandemic, I have really moved away from my own personal, hey, this is what I did on social media to, you know, it it's down in my little paper diary and, you know, I know what I did, but it's not, here's the selfie I took today. And there, there's so much that is beneficial and there's so much that we can start to go off the rails a little bit and use it in an unhealthy way. You know, we know that with the scale. The, the number one thing I beg my clients is do not weigh yourself. It is unnecessary. Like if you absolutely have to do it once a month, but you are not gaining anything by this daily weighing, by this once a week weighing there, because you're wrapping yourself up in something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do, in, in, in my programs, we do use the scale. But, but we don't, um, we don't write it down as a way to track things. We use it to look at the thoughts that come up when we see the number and work mm-hmm. our way through that. We get to this point where you step on the scale and it doesn't mean anything, right? And Absolutely. And we have, there, it's a good thing to be able to come to that place of neutrality with something that can be very triggering. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so if, if you're meeting a woman for the first time who lives in a bigger body, hasn't really had a lot of movement in her life, is at that same point, you know, you were where I was, where you just know, you know, something has to change that the diets aren't working. Um, what's your advice for a first step? Like, wh- wh- where do you start? Really, the first thing I want to know is why? Why are you here? Why are you wanting to make a change? And really starting to get very specific with that. Because so often you can have somebody that'll come in and say, oh, I want to lose X number of pounds. That's what we think we want. And it, it may actually be in the end, what is the case? But we keep pushing. You know, why do you want to lose weight? What does that accomplish? And continue to take those reasons and fire them back in a question. You know, losing weight and feeling better in your skin, your clothes fitting better. What does that accomplish? Well, I can keep up with my kids and my grandkids. Okay. So then what? We keep going that little bit deeper and asking why over and over again, because usually it's things like, I want my clothes to fit better. I, I want to feel better. And that, that question can get vague, but generally the answer is when I want to feel better, it's the, it's the processes of the body. I don't want to be lethargic when I wake up. I don't want to have the afternoon slump. I don't want the digestive issues. I just want to feel like whatever and insert adjective here. But, you know, we start to see all these very specific things when we dig deeper on things like nutrition, like our movement, stability, balance, strength, endurance. Those then are very specific areas that we can break down 
to see what's that one thing that you're willing and able to change today. And we don't always think that way. So sometimes it takes that little bit of of needling, that little bit of pushing, because you might or might not lose X number of pounds. But if we pursue all of these very specific goals over here, you're going to feel different. You're going to have achieved some different health outcomes that you've come in and stated, this is how, you know, I want this to look or that to be or change this. There's a lot of transformation that happens regardless of the number on the scale. So if, if I can summarize what you just said, I, I, you know, really what this is about is looking at your, you know, your deeper reasons why you want to lose weight. Looking for, you know, the small habits that you can start with that you feel like you're ready, willing and able, you know, to, to do um, and, and commit to. And then that's your starting point. Absolutely. Because we, we get caught up in the New Year's resolution, the I'm going to start on Monday, that grand sweeping change of here is everything that has to happen all at once. And we might be really great at sustaining that for a few days, a few weeks, even a couple months, but it's not long-term. It may not fit our schedule, our family dynamic, our financial situation, depending on what it is we're engaging in. By really breaking it down to that one thing, that one change and building it up from there, it doesn't interrupt our lifestyle. Will our lifestyle change? Likely in some way, but it's not an overnight thing. It's that gradual thing. So it, it's almost we're tricking ourselves into that place of hindsight, like, wow, this is everything that changed. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's often hard for people because when you have this, you know, big, scary goal at the end of the road and you're thinking, really, all I'm going to do today is drink water. Like, how is that going to get me there? Do you have a, you know, how do you coach people, people through that to get them to understand how powerful it is to allow these small little habits to build and, and grow on each other? You know, the, the small habits, it's not a sexy thing. It it doesn't give us that magic wand that we so desperately want. And that's where that accountability piece comes in. That's where having someone to walk alongside us is so essential. Because that person or that uh, structure, whatever it is that we put in place for accountability, if it's working right, is not only giving us the nudge we need forward, it's encouraging us. It's reminding us of why we've chosen to do this, how far we've come, and what the potential ripple effect is. And it's it's that ability to draw out what we can't see for ourselves. And I wholeheartedly believe that we need to have that system of accountability in some fashion. 
whether, whether it's a person program, whatever it is, but there's something to it that helps us to keep moving forward when we get stuck in our own head. Agreed. Agreed completely. And I think, you know, one of the things we do is we, we forget to look backwards. You know, we're always focused on, you know, where we want to get that we forget to look at how far we've actually come. Right. And it's it's like if you look at, you know, if all you're doing this week is, is, is you know, working on building that habit of drinking water and you realize how good you're feeling, you know, now that you're hydrated on a consistent basis and look back, you know, to even just, you know, two months ago when you weren't and how different you feel, it's a pretty big deal, right? But for whatever reason, we don't want to, you know, we don't focus there. We're, we're always focused on, you know, how far we still have to go. And I think, you know, that's one thing accountability um, structures can do for you is just be that reminder of, look at all the amazing that you've accomplished, you know, so far. And that can be motivating for moving forward as well. Mm -hmm. All right. And so Stephanie, you, you work with women exactly like this. So tell us what you do inside your business. Well, I do a few different things. I work with individuals. I work with groups. I work with businesses. Sometimes it's that nutrition piece. Sometimes it's that movement piece. It might be the marrying of the two or something completely different, just that accountability. And that's where it really comes down to that individual relationship in understanding the why. Because just like there are 10,001 diets out there, there is one right fit for somebody. And so it's finding that I, it's being that investigator, it's being that needler and that button pusher in what is working for you. How can we get you to that place? How can we peel back what you've done before in the mindset that comes along with it in that, not that I'm a failure, but these systems have failed me and really start to move forward. And the different programs I have in place are are really, that's the heart of it. And it's just then looking at somebody's personality and is it hands-on, hands off or mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. Sure thing. All right. Well, Stephanie, if people want to learn more about you um, or want to, you know, get in contact with you about, you know, how to how to take the next step, where can they find you? They can find me on my website, Heart and Soul Fit, and that's S-O-L-E, Heart and Soul Fit.com. Um, all my information and goodies are there. I'm on just about all the social media networks on some iteration of heart and soul fitness and wellness. Uh, it depends on which network and what it is. But if you search my name, search heart and soul fitness, I'm going to come up somewhere in the mix. Wonderful. And Stephanie, before we sign off for today, do you have any last words of wisdom you'd like to share with us? Show yourself the same compassion and love that you would show anybody else. Because if it doesn't start with us, then it's not going to change. Oh, I love that. Couldn't agree more. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. 
There it is. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I thoroughly enjoyed this interview with Stephanie. And as we were talking, I started to feel a little bit of excitement, a little bit of that fire in my body, thinking about how good it would be to find that joy in movement again, to find the thing where I go into my flow and I just tune out the world and I just feel good in my body. It's been a while since I've had that. And after talking with Stephanie, I think I'm really committed now to trying to go back to that place of finding what I really love to do, what feels good for my body, and forgetting all of the shoulds and the rules that my brain still wants to have around exercise. So that is my commitment going forward. I hope that you're able to commit to something similar. As we talked about in this episode, it's really all about examining your why. Why you want to lose weight, why you want to be healthier, why it's important for you to move your body. And then just find that one small thing that you're able to commit to on a regular basis. And I'm not talking about walking out the door and all of a sudden running a 10k race when you haven't ran at all. I'm talking about what's the small thing that you can do to get your body moving again. So maybe that that's just walking to the end of the street. Maybe that's taking a dance class. Maybe that's even just dancing in your living room. For me, I think I'm going to try getting back to my walking regularly. And Stephanie and I, after we recorded this episode, we talked about you know how much I like short bursts of intensive energy. I think that's why I like boxing. Um, and I like things like flipping car tires and things like this. So I'm going to look for places around town where I might be able to experiment with a little bit more of that. So that's my plan moving forward. I would love to hear what your plans are in terms of finding joyful movement or maybe what you're already doing to move your body on a regular basis. So reach out to me. I'm on social media at Wayza Health or you can email me at michelle at wayzahealth.com and I would love to hear from you. I'll see you next week.